Hello, everybody, and welcome to Spark My Muse. I'm your host, Lisa Colon-Delay, and this is Soul School. Today, I'm going to do something a little special because Hispanic Heritage Month is nearly here. It runs from September 15th to October 15th in the United States, and it's a time when we celebrate the accomplishments and the lives and the voices and perspectives of Hispanic people that have made great impacts on us, whether those be famous people or not so famous people. Even the word Hispanic is a loaded and sometimes controversial word. And I'm not going to get into the difference between Hispanic, Latino, Latinx, except for very briefly in this episode. It is a little bit difficult to celebrate a heritage month when it spans two months, half of a month till half of a month. I'm really delighted that Broadleaf Books, the publisher of my book, The Wild Land Within, selected my book in the company of some wonderful authors and books to be celebrated during Hispanic Heritage Month. And so because of that, I'm going to read a little bit of my book that pertains to my heritage, and I hope that you enjoy it. In my book, I use the word Latinx, and that is an English word that in Spanish doesn't really make any sense and is, is often not very accepted in Spanish for good reason. Latin might be the word used instead, instead of Latino or Latina, which, which is gendered because Spanish is a gendered language with gendered nouns and gendered adjectives. But for my purposes, speaking to a mainly English-speaking white American audience, the main demographic of the United States, I use the term Latinx because my feeling was that that was maybe the most approachable word and a word that might also intrigue the reader to read more deeply if they hadn't heard that word. It might seem novel and it might seem interesting enough to dig in deeper. Should this book ever be translated into Spanish, I would want that to be changed to Latin. So on page 53 of my book, just reading a snippet portion of what I include in here on Latinx spiritualities, I write, Latinx people are no monolith, politically or culturally, and each country within Latin America has its own unique history and ongoing story. Many varieties of indigenous populations exist within Latin American countries as well, and they usually undergo their own forms of oppression and persecution by governmental authorities and nationals alike. Colorism and racism take on their own nefarious forms in Latin American countries, as a legacy of European conquest. Those of European ancestry still have most of the controlling interests in terms of property, wealth, opportunity, educational advantage, and political position and power. Generally speaking, Latinx culture is far more collectivist than mainstream Euro-centered North American culture. There is a rich tradition of devotional practice that includes prayer, Spiritual and contemplative practices found in the Catholic mystic tradition originating in Spain. I'll stop here for a second to just point out that maybe it goes without saying, but I will mention it, that if a country is considered Hispanic or having Hispanic heritage, it's because the Spanish were involved in their colonization and conquering at some point. In the case of Brazil and South America, they speak Portuguese and they are not considered Hispanic. 
because Portugal conquered them. Hispanic often has to do with the language that is spoken, and often the best way to refer to someone who is of Hispanic heritage is by the country from which they are from. So in my case, I'm Puerto Rican, and I like to be referred to as Puerto Rican. I'm also Latina. I'm also Hispanic. But I am most definitely Boricua. Boricua is the name of the island of Puerto Rico from the natives. People who were called Taino, which are actually Arawak Indians, Taino means we are good. When the Spanish came to Puerto Rico, one of the first places they came in the New World, the indigenous people that were farmers on the island were almost entirely peaceful people, and they were trying to indicate to these warriors, to these conquistadors coming to colonize them, we, we are good. And that sounded like Taino in the Arawak language. Now we speak of the native indigenous people of Puerto Rico as Taino. I have Taino ancestors, and my Puerto Rican ancestors hail from the middle of the island, which has much more Taino DNA. And the outskirts of the island have a lot more DNA coming from Europe, but especially from Africa, when enslaved Africans came over because of the mass genocide that happened with the indigenous culture in Puerto Rico. And it was thought that the indigenous people were completely wiped out through genocide, although that was probably not entirely true. Of course, there was a lot of intermarrying, and there were some communities, I think, in very remote areas and jungle areas of Puerto Rico that probably were not accounted for. Moving back to the text, Latinx values include family and local community, personalismo y familiismo. Familiismo pertains to the integral role that the family relationships have in the everyday lives of Latinx people. Personalismo refers to the warmth and closeness in relationships. It is this context that further generates the internal conditions for intimate and direct relationships with God that many Latinx people experience in their faith, writes Ada Maria Isaias Diaz, a Latinx theologian from Cuba. Dr. Isaias Diaz coined the term Mujerista theology, which is now used broadly as a liberation theology that contains space for the lives of women with Hispanic and Latin American heritage. The spirituality of Latinx women is often related to the way their lives are harmed by mainstream society. These lives encompass oppressive limits, such as ethnic prejudice, intersectionality, sexism, and economic inequalities. Rather than keeping these viewpoints on the sidelines in our society and in our interests, they must gain mainstream exposure and influence in understanding how we spiritually form and malform. So I write that to say that coming from, we have a lot to learn from Latinas. A lot of times, because of their position in society, because of their physical appearance, and of course, Latinas range in all kinds of colors, all kinds of shapes, all kinds of cultures, but many times the poorest and darkest of Latinx women face the most oppression, but it is their voices that must be heard. It is their voices we must make room for the most. It is their voices that bring us the gospel, 
that must transform us. It is our response to them that is the barometer of how kind or cruel a society we have. And for a moment, I want to read Liberative Theologies from page 55. A Peruvian theologian and Dominican priest, Gustavo Gutierrez, born in 1928, still alive today in his 90s, is one of the key writers and thinkers in liberative theology. Because he has directly encountered the poor who suffer daily, his theological work distills spirituality in action. His are not removed ideas or propositional points of theology common in the academy. His work also explores the nature of God in the context of deprivation, injustice, and oppression. So in Peru, as in many countries in South America, there have been many coups, a lot of exploitation. There's been interference by wealthy countries, including the United States, trying to overthrow governments for their own specific interests. And in the process, the poorest and the most vulnerable have been ground under those wheels and have suffered tremendously. He has a commentary on Job. Gutierrez expounds on unjust suffering as it relates to the contemplative life. In the anguishes of lived-out realities, the lowly people can find God and deeply rest in God, who cherishes them and meets them where they are. The Beatitudes offer counterpoints to life as usual. They offer a kingdom of God life that sees and honors the poor and disenfranchised. This life is not available to the prosperous. Gutierrez explains how we become formed as we speak of God during the agonies and difficulties of oppression. He developed the foundational insight of Latin American liberation theology, which has been called God's preferential option for the poor. To understand the unique contributions of spiritual thought and ways of being from this context, we must unpack this foundational phrase. It captures a sense of the compassionate heart of God that Gutierrez and other liberation theologians further elucidate in their work. The poor that are referred to are the impoverished materially. They will suffer premature and unjust death. They are not resourced. They have no means or connections. They have no real advocacy. And to the powerful, the poor remain statistical and nameless. But the poor are significant to God, says Gutierrez. They must be significant to all who serve Christ, to anyone who considers themselves a good person. For those of us in affluent countries and situations, this should give us pause. Do we give significance to the poor? Do we realize that their lives are forever entwined with ours because God loves them? The word preferential refers to two dimensions, the universal and the particular. Universally, God's love extends to all. In particular, God has a special soft spot, as it were, for those in need. Liberation theology claims that God demonstrates special dispensations of grace to the poor, the downtrodden, and those excluded from a life of material sufficiency. We can find this evidence scripturally numerous times in the care and oversight of the societally excluded and impoverished through the welfare statutes in the Levitical laws. 
in the many stories featuring underdog heroes in the Old Testament and in the incarnation of Christ as the underprivileged Yeshua, the Jewish peasant from the backwaters of Nazareth. In Spanish, the word for option connotes a meaning that is closer to the English word for commitment. It involves aiding the poor and standing in ongoing solidarity with them. It also means standing against inhumane poverty. Most importantly, Gutierrez underscores the idea of a commitment to the poor in terms of friendship so that objectification and abstraction do not begin to co-opt these efforts of solidarity. He says, when we become friends with the poor, their presence leaves an indelible imprint on our lives and we are much more likely to remain committed to help them. Gutierrez articulates how true liberation has three main dimensions in the internal and external worlds. First, it involves political and social liberation, the elimination of the immediate causes of poverty and injustice. Second, it involves the emancipation of the poor, the marginalized, the downtrodden, and the oppressed from all quote, those things that limit their capacity to develop themselves freely and in dignity, unquote. Third, it involves liberation from selfishness and sin and a reestablishment of a relationship with God and with other people. Those are just some snippets from my book, The Wild Land Within, Cultivating Wholeness Through Spiritual Practice by Broadleaf Books, and if you haven't gotten it already, I hope that you will go get it right away, as well as some of the other authors featured during Hispanic Heritage Month. I thank you broadly for featuring my book and the other ones. These stories and voices and perspectives, I think, are extremely critical in our times to learn from. As I speak to you now, I'm returning to Puerto Rico this week to help with emergency preparedness for the hurricane season, which is upon us right now. And whether we have a major bunch of storms or a major hurricane, emergency preparedness is always an issue on the archipelago of Puerto Rico. And that's because Luma, the, the company that supplies Puerto Rico with power, was strong-armed onto the people of Puerto Rico in the forced privatization for the island. This has increased the cost of electricity more than three times what it was, but given the people very erratic power. So the power can just go out and sometimes for hours, sometimes for days, not because of a storm, but just because of failures in the system. The contract was handed out to a Canadian American company that really didn't know what they're doing. The company doesn't not even speak Spanish in their press conferences and really has no business being there. The people there do not want them. And there is a continual battle about what is going to happen with Puerto Rico because the U.S. government keeps forcing Puerto Rico into situations that are not beneficial. And yet Puerto Rico has no representation or power to change their fate. They have been assigned managers for an austerity program, and they are under the thumb of the U.S. government. What some of us do as Boricua is we fight for our country. We are American citizens, yes, but we are oppressed and we know that the government is not coming to help us. We must help ourselves. And it's very hard because there's not a lot of money 
in Puerto Rico. There is not a lot of resources. And what comes to Puerto Rico is much, much more expensive than what you can get almost anywhere else. So if you think about me and you think about Puerto Rico, please, please pray for us. Please send your donations in where you can. You can send donations to Mi Patria. I will have a way for you to send donations to the organization I'm volunteering for. I volunteer for them all the time, but I will be boots on the ground volunteering for them in October. And I, I thank you for your kindness, your consideration, and your concern. Because sometimes it's very lonely fighting a giant, uh, fighting when there seems to be no solution in sight. But it is literally life or death in many cases. I thank you so much for listening, for caring, for celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month with me and all my fellow Latinos y Latinas y Latine. Adios.